Welcome to the Besties with Breasties podcast. Sarah Hall here. I am a certified health and wellness coach, athletic trainer, mom, and breast cancer survivor. I help women overcome their own mind drama to make mind shifts that open up the possibility for their most empowered and energetic life. And I am Beth Wilmus, author, speaker, and founder of a human investment organization, otherwise known as a nonprofit called Faith Through Fire. Our mission is to reduce the fear and anxiety that breast cancer patients feel and replace it with hope and a path toward thriving. This podcast is about our experiences with breast cancer and life after as young survivors and moms. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I was a little little frazzled dazzle, but that's okay. Yeah. Frazzled dazzled last time. I know. Well, we're we're recording two two episodes, so I'm frazzled yes. dazzled for both. Right. That's funny. <laughs> All right. You want to let's dive in for today. Yeah. Yeah. Are you excited about today's episode? <laughs> you just said don't say that. I know. Okay, so everybody that's listening, I don't know if you've noticed, I've noticed and it's kind of annoying me. So if it's annoying me, it may be annoying you <laughs> that we say we're excited about every episode. We say a lot of things over and over again. Maybe it's because I really enjoy recording these and so i'm always excited to sit yeah. down and, no, I think, and give the information to people i think we are legitimately excited i just think it's annoying that we say it every single time we also say <laughs> i noticed looking that, forward to yeah we're, we're looking forward to today's episode we also say a lot uh that was quite a mouth mouthful oh we do say that we do we oh. say that was a mouthful um, about what oh about any anybody that has a long title or any oh, time yeah. we're reading something yeah. that's really long, we'll be like, that was quite a mouthful. <laughs> you and I have some things that we say over and over again. Yeah, but that's everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I pick up on those things about my daughter all the time. She's just started to say, oh, my. <laughs> oh, my. Is that like George? What's I his name? Know. George Takei? The guy from the guy from like Star Wars. Oh, I don't know who that is. Yeah, Takei. Takei. Yeah, he's the he's the Asian man that always says, oh, my. Oh, no. No? Nope. Doesn't ring a bell. No. Nope. Okay. Nope. Forget it. So that <laughs> right has, over my head. That has absolutely nothing to do with what we're talking about no, today. No, not at all. But we should tell everybody what we're what we're talking about. So the backstory on this is that we have, through the nonprofit, dealt with many, many women who are being recommended quite often, really, mm-hmm. by their doctors that they should, after going through breast cancer treatment, that they should have a hysterectomy or an ophorectomy, which is when you get your ovaries removed. Mm-hmm. So it's your uterus as well as your ovaries and sometimes your cervix yes yeah the the whole thing is a total the whole shebang is like a total hysterectomy they are being recommended to do to do this for various different reasons yeah Um, and and i think it's different for every person um but what we've been hearing a lot is you know you can avoid coming in to get the monthly zolodex shot mm -hmm. you know if you have this done right which is the shot you take to shut down your ovaries so that your medication works Mm -hmm. some doctors are telling yeah patients to 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 avoid the shot every month or there are also there's some studies that suggest that having your ovaries removed before you hit menopause can lessen your risk of breast cancer or ovarian mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. Or, or ovarian developing ovarian cancers because a lot of times ob's will see women who have had multiple cancers right and so i think the idea is that let's just cut out every possible avenue of estrogen in your body yeah okay so 
we wanted to share with you why we decided to do this series on hysterectomies and ophorectomies. Mm-hmm. It's important for anybody who is considering this as a surgery option or as a treatment option. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of young women being recommended these procedures. And full transparency, the reason that we decided to do this is that a lot of them are struggling mm-hmm. after the procedure. A lot. Yeah. It's been difficult to find positive stories. Mm-hmm. And so we thought that it would be important to have this discussion mm-hmm. and to kind of explain why some of them are struggling in an effort so that you are fully armed with all the information. Yeah. Set the expectations, like realistic expectations. Right. Yeah. And, and really, so that if you choose to have these surgeries, because there is a benefit in terms of risk reduction, mm-hmm. and if you're suffering from endometriosis or mm-hmm. other symptoms and you decide this is the right choice for you, I think it's more just so that you can be equipped yeah. and have the right supports in place to get you over that hump. Right. We don't want you to be caught out by surprise, and we yeah. want you to have as much support as possible. Right. So we are going to, you know, this episode, we're going to cover a, a lot of good information about what we know. And then the next episode, we're going to talk to a doctor, an OBGYN, who's actually a, a breast cancer survivor herself. And then we were we we're going to have three different women share their stories about their experience with surgery and this surgery specifically. Yeah. yeah. One of one of which, you guys, is is my mom. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Surprise! Surprise! Surprise guest. Yep. Sarah's mom's going to join us and give her experience. So, all right, let's dive in. But before we do, let's jump into our first sponsor. Hair loss is consistently ranked as one of the most feared side effects of chemotherapy treatment. The emotional impact chemo hair loss can have on patients has been well documented. Scalp cooling is a simple treatment that can prevent hair loss caused by certain chemotherapy drugs. The use of scalp cooling is proven to be effective in preventing chemotherapy-induced alopecia and can result in people retaining much of their hair. Paxman is the global leader in scalp cooling. Their cold cap is scientifically proven to reduce hair loss during chemotherapy. If you are facing cancer treatment and concerned about losing your hair, Ask your provider about scalp cooling and visit our website at www.coldcap.com. We're back. We just touched on this about why a woman may be recommended a hysterectomy or an ophorectomy. But when I was kind of doing some research for this, I wanted to look at what kind of studies existed. Before we go into research, when did, were you ever offered? My oncologist was not in the camp that felt like that was... She's still waiting for more data. Interesting. She was not 100% sold on the idea of removing organs permanently. I think that that's really interesting to note because your oncologist is heavy into the research side. Yeah. I mean, I know she does do research. I've never actually asked her specifics about what what aspects of research she does Mm -hmm. but you're right i mean she does and she's very data driven and she has been on the forefront of some newer things in the past Mm -hmm. like she she was the one that told me when i was you know experiencing painful sex like she had no qualms about giving me estrogen yeah you know yeah whereas a lot of women would be scared or some sort so you know i mean so it's interesting to see that she has differing opinions on different things depending on what they are but yeah for her when i mentioned to her that we were seeing so many women being recommended this surgery she's like yeah I, i agree that there's definitely more and more being done and i said i'm just not you know i'm not sure that I would want to be in permanent menopause. And mm-hmm. her response was just, yeah, I'm waiting to see kind of what the data, mm-hmm. what the data does. Yeah. But there's some doctors that are really jumping on this aggressively because yeah. we have seen a lot of women, especially a lot of young women mm-hmm. being, you know, recommended these surgeries. Mm-hmm. 
And I think because quality of life is so important to you and I, Mm -hmm. I think we really wanted to talk about it so that if you choose to do this, you understand all the different aspects and maybe can prepare. Right. Yeah. What about you? What were you presented it? Yeah, it was presented to me uh, when I was first talking about all the options when my tumor came back after my first mastectomy where they said, you know, you were stage one and it was estrogen receptor positive and you're going to need to go on hormone therapy because of your oncotype score and all the other factors that they put in into place. And, you know, he said you could do the Zolodex and Tamoxifen or you could do this other AI or you could do, we, you know, I don't typically go right to this, but if you wanted to avoid the injection, you can do an ophorectomy. And he's like, I don't typically recommend that right away. I would say see what it's like on the shot before you would ever choose that. So, but he was also pretty old school. So it, it surprised me a little bit that he didn't kind of just jump to it, but it was presented as an option. And he was like, if you don't want to come in monthly, because I, my concern was like, oh, I've got a newborn and a kid at home and I'm going to have to come in here every month and get a shot. And it just sounded like a big pain in the butt. And he was like, well, we could always just take your ovaries. Which is not the first time. I mean, we hear lots of women say that. Like, right. That and it does. Not- it sounds super appealing, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, you don't have to come in here. And it, and it sounds like it's like equal, like you could either get the shot or you could have your ovaries taken. It sounds equal. And <laughs> the symptoms are going to be the same. I, I think a lot of doctors are jumping on this because there are some studies. Yeah, I would. I wouldn't. I didn't feel like there were a lot of studies. Let me yeah. say that first. Mm-hmm. But there are some studies that indicate there's like anywhere from a thirty to fifty percent reduction in breast wow. cancer recurrence mm-hmm. or the development of ovarian cancers can be quite. You know, the reduction there can mm-hmm. be quite high. The benefits seem to only be if you remove the ovaries before menopause. Mm-hmm. You know, so so that's you know, explain why we see there, all these younger women right. being recommended this. I'm curious if there is like data. So 30 to 50 percent reduction in recurrence sounds really high, but what is the percentage of the the shot and the AIs that are tamoxifen, like those kind of the drugs without doing this radical surgery? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that would be a good question. We're, so they, next they, they, episode, we are going to have we're going to have an OBGYN on. So it would be really nice for that to be something that we explore. The, the interesting thing, and I read this and it, it it was a bunch of medical professionals weighing in saying that there aren't a lot of studies comparing surgical removal of the uterus and ovaries to drug therapy because big pharma who often funds these studies, there's mm-hmm. no benefit financially for them. For surgical intervention. Mm-hmm. So I think some doctors are saying, you know, we're never going to have robust studies on surgical intervention versus drugs because mm-hmm. the pharmaceutical companies want, don't fund that. Don't fund that. They <laughs> right. want to f- they want to fund drugs that they can then mm-hmm. get paid for. Mm-hmm. I'm not one of those conspiracy theorists that think everybody is, you know, out to get the cancer patient, but I think it's a fair point. And yeah, but the but money I, has to come from somewhere I for a study to be run. But I don't want a doctor making a decision based on skepticism because, yeah. you know, there aren't any studies. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. still want the study before I start doing something like that. Sure. So, yeah, I think that, that basically women are being told, hey, it's a convenience factor. You know, if you mm-hmm. don't want to come in every month or, you know, there's studies indicating that we could, you know, drastically reduce your risk of recurrence, which mm-hmm. to your point, when you've been diagnosed with cancer, you're going to be like, yes, please. Mm-hmm. Some women, too. Like the only benefit that I that I feel comes from having my ovaries suppressed every single month is that I don't have a period, Woo-hoo. which is 
fabulous. Yeah. I do love that part of it. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that that's why women are being recommended these um, procedures and there is some data behind it, but I don't know if it's as robust. Mm -hmm. And I just, I, I question after dealing with these women how much they're being told like what the ramifications of that are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We'll probably we'll dive into that a little bit more when we talk about side effects. Like I, I feel like that's a huge conversation to be had. Yeah. Before we do that, do you want to do boobs in the news? Yeah, let's do boobs. All right. So boobs in the news is a segment where we read funny tweets from real people or ridiculous news stories. Boobs in the news. Boobs in the news. Boobs in the news. You ready for this? Yes. <laughs> this one cracks me up. Okay. This is from our friends at the Daily Dumbass. It says, uh, a drunken excursion in Arkansas lands today's dumbass duo in the ER. Two guys named Charles and Chris, who are in their 30s, are neighbors. So they got super drunk and decided to test out a bulletproof vest by shooting oh, each other. <laughs> what could go wrong, right? Hmm. Hmm. A few things. Well, they Hope showed... your aim is good. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean... Okay. What happens if you aim a little or that gun is not sighted in and aims high? Like, Well, my guess would be that they got really close. Oh, gosh, even worse. <laughs> Which is worse. So it says what could go wrong, right? So they show up at the hospital with severe chest pain and bruising. Oh, okay. Yeah, because they were probably standing within two feet of each other shooting yeah. each other. Which is so, I mean, dear Lord. Okay. And of course, they tried to lie about what had happened. They claimed that they had been paid to protect an asset. <laughs> And guy we working for the CIA. That's right. Us too, Sarah, right? Yeah. Like, this is all just a cover, guys. Yeah. And they got into a shootout while guarding it. No one bought the story and they were both arrested. Well, for what, though? I like, guess for, I, it was well, consensual shooting. <laughs> I don't know. The Daily Dumbass says apparently it's illegal to be stupid in Arkansas. So <laughs> here we are with Arkansas. Right, again. right, right. Well, you know, I will tell you this story. Okay, this is not exactly the same but it's it's in the same lane so my husband and i have we still talk to a lot of our friends from high school and two of our friends were roommates uh during the college era and they got really really drunk two two boys go figure mm -hmm. they got really really that drunk. Was sexist it, <laughs> go figure two boys yeah well <laughs> like I'm, two girls can't do something dumb you do you think two girls are going to strap on a bulletproof vest and then we'll know but other? we'll probably they'll probably do something dumb just something different dumb i don't know <laughs> okay <laughs> okay two boys they're drunk two got boys it. they're Friends drunk from college they're in the basement they decide to shoot each other with paintball guns Oh, that's but there's no vest. But <laughs> oh, no vest, no oh, vest, yikes. no vest. So they're just standing on opposite ends of the basement, <laughs> and they decide to set up a video camera. So they set up a video camera of these two guys drunk shooting each other with paintballs. It was very amusing. Like watching the video later, I about peed my pants because <laughs> at one point, I mean, here they are shooting each other, right? And it looks like it hurt. Oh, multiple shots, oh, not just one. Oh no, they were taking turns oh, shooting geez. each other. But at a certain point, <laughs> our friends. Steve, he's going to hate it that I used his name, but he probably doesn't listen to this, <laughs> yeah. shoots at our friend Jason. Well, his aim was off and he shoots him right in the middle of the throat, right in the middle of the throat. Ouch. <laughs> and Jason's hands come up and clutch his neck. 
his eyes bug out of his head and he can't breathe. Right, like, of course. I mean, not. he cannot breathe. And Steve immediately starts going, Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm going to need to watch this video now. I know. Well, he won't show it to any of us now. No. He's got it in the vault and he won't show it. So we all used to watch it for entertainment purposes, but now it's like embarrassing to him. So he doesn't show it to anybody. So Jason finally, I mean, there's like a good 10 seconds where he can't speak. And everybody's wondering, like, we know he's not dead, right? Yeah. But it looked bad. And all this, the first thing Jason says when he can speak is, man, you shot me in the cherry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's hilarious. And then, like, and then, like, you can tell Steve is so relieved that he's okay. And they shut off the video camera. <laughs> Did so, he have a bruise there? Oh, uh, it was hard to tell in the video. Wow. But it was the most entertaining. We tried for years <laughs> to get them to submit that to America's Funniest Videos, and they wouldn't do it because they were afraid they'd get in trouble. <laughs> for sure. With the paintball gun? I People pay to go do that. Well, I mean, you know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's oh, it, so funny. It was so funny. So, uh, so <sighs> the guys, what was their name? Chris and Charles or something? Yeah. Those guys are definitely the boobs. And I'm going to say Jason and Steve were also boobs. Sorry. Sorry, guys. <laughs> There's your bibs in the news. Bibs in the news. Bibs in the news. Bibs in the news. So we're back. Let's talk about why women would choose to have these procedures. Obviously, risk reduction, right? Yes. We're talking about cancer recurrence and then prevention. Like, oh, mm-hmm. oh, we've talked about the BRCA genes. Yeah. Like, if you come from a family that has had uterine cancer, that would be huge. Or if you test positive for HPV, like, you've got a higher risk for uterine cancer. So having... Mm-hmm. having a total hysterectomy would make sense. And if you've already had a breast cancer diagnosis, then you probably are already a little bit more heightened, aware, and it could feel safe. Right, yeah. right, yeah. But especially those women, I know lots of women with the BRCA genes who are, mm-hmm. after they have children, are choosing preventative hysterectomies to avoid ovarian cancer yeah. or um, uterine cancer. Yeah, Symptom improvement. So mm-hmm. something that we hear a lot from a lot. women is endometriosis. Fibroids. Painful periods. Yeah. So um, a, lo- a lot of those, I think, are just connected to having off-balance hormones, too. Just from my own work that I've done with a functional medicine doctor is like some sometimes those symptoms come from out-of-whack hormones. And we were actually just talking to a woman the other day who's always had incredibly painful periods, which I can relate to because before I stopped getting periods, mm-hmm. I always had very painful periods, Same. painful cramping. Bad um, PMS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she was experiencing that. She was actually telling us her experience with a functional medicine doctor that after working with her just a little while, she had her first pain-free period, mm-hmm. which, you know, um, is interesting to me. Yeah. You know, because yeah. that symptom improvement is really uh, appealing to women. And a lot of times it's, you know, I say it's like, oh, it seems so simple because it's just tiny little changes. And it's not like medication and a whole routine that you got to go into. But like, it's sometimes it's diet changes and lifestyle changes yeah. that that can affect this pain that you're having. I mean, I know that my my actually on 9/11, like when the 9/11 thing happened, mm-hmm. I was at home in high school because I was having a painful period day. Hmm. I watched my painful period and I watched the news all day long. It was not a great day. No, that's yeah. a terrible day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was similar. I had I have very painful um crampy periods. So yeah. so some people choose to have the surgery because they don't want to have the injections monthly yeah. like where they have to have their ovaries suppressed. So then just- for young moms, I feel like I mean that was a big thing for me when I was told about, you know, you got to come in monthly to get an injection, a pellet injected into your abdomen. Oh, that sounds awful. Mm-hmm. You know, now I know that it's not a big deal because I'm 
almost three years into doing it. But, you know, it does sound like a they huge also, pain in the butt. It is a huge pain in the butt. I mean, I was doing it every month and I was getting like scarring from or like, yeah. you know, marks from the shot. But they do have a every three month shot. Mm-hmm. You have to ask your oncologist if they're cool with it. Mine yeah. was. Yours wasn't. So everybody's yeah. different. But you can go every three months. But yeah, yeah, that's another reason why they do it. So. Before we start talking about kind of some of the side effects and things we're hearing from these women, let's listen to our second sponsor. SSM Health is a proud sponsor of the Besties with Breasties podcast. One in eight women will be diagnosed with breast cancer during their lifetime. Early detection is key and keeping up to date on yearly mammograms could be life-saving. At SSM Health, we offer patients in the St. Louis area online scheduling for mammograms, including next-day appointments. Visit ssmhealth.com slash schedule ma'am to make your appointment now. And we're back. Let's talk about side effects from From doing surgery, surgery, from what we're hearing. Yeah. Well, let's, I mean, we could, I feel like it would be really helpful to present both sides. Yeah. You know, I know we've talked about hormone therapy before, but now that we're in this episode and we're talking about people making the decision to have or not to have surgery, like Beth and I can both speak from experience what it's like to be on the AI and what it's like to be on the injection, you know, but we can talk about, compare and contrast that to what we have heard about a hysterectomy. Yeah, I'm really interested We've mentioned this, but we're going to talk to an OB about the women that she sees that come to her for symptom relief, Yeah, you know, from menopause, whether it be chemical or natural. Mm -hmm. And I'm really curious to see if she sees a difference between women who have natural menopause versus Mm -hmm. women who have chemical menopause like you and I from drugs and ovarian suppression versus those that have symptoms from total hysterectomies. Right. Yeah. Like, wouldn't you be interested to know if she can see differences in, in how they feel? Yeah. Most of the time, the big complaints are like, mental health and sexual health, which I feel like mental health do walk hand in hand with your sexual health too. So those are the things that we hear from women is that they were not emotionally prepared for how they would feel depression wise and just anxiety and just it was immediate and swift. Yeah. And I think they were unprepared for that. And then the sexual dysfunction. Yeah. I mean, while we're on these ovarian suppression drugs, we have, you know, dry, painful intercourse that we Mm -hmm. have to worry about. But when you have that surgery, that's a permanent, that's permanent. You can't put that back in. You can't put that back, that genie back in the bottle. The other things that people don't think about is that you, when you get rid of all your estrogen, you're going to have bone thinning. Mm -hmm. So osteoporosis becomes an issue. That is something to consider on being on an AI or the Zolodex or the injection. Like, you know, it's, it's something for both, but I feel like there is no going back with the hysterectomy. Right. You know, right. Yeah. You're going to have a potentially bone loss. Mm hmm. In both circumstances, right. when you're suppressing estrogen, whether it be through drugs or th- surgery, yeah, you've got all the menopausal symptoms, hot flashes, vaginal dryness, sexual dysfunction, sleep disturbances. We mm-hmm. see so many women that can't Huge. sleep. Yeah. And you really underestimate the impact of sleep until you can't get it. Yeah. Oh, sleep sleep is huge. And there's so much coming out right now about the importance of sleep being such a regenerative stress reducer. And it's when your body shuts down. So it it affects your GI tract. It affects your mental health. It affects like it affects so much about how you function. And there is a lot of research and there's a really good TED talk out there about the impact that sleep has on your chances of developing Alzheimer's, which is oh, interesting. Huge. I have a friend who has pretty severe fibromyalgia. She's mm-hmm. young and she's in a lot of pain. 
Mm-hmm. But the thing that bothers her the most is that she doesn't get good sleep. Yeah. And some of that's because of the pain. Mm-hmm. But she just can't sleep. And when she goes days and days without good sleep, I mean, you want to talk about, you yeah. know, cognitive decline and just irritability yeah. and just not being at 100 percent. Yeah. It's really, really important. So sleep disturbances is something we hear Huge. a lot from women. Yeah. I just touched on it. But cognitive decline, a, fog- yeah. a foggy brain. Mm-hmm. That's why we should give everyone who's in menopause a freaking break. Because yeah. it's real. Yeah, for sure. Heart disease. I mean, you're at risk yeah. for heart disease once you have less estrogen. And if you already have a few comorbidities, it just add, it like adds to. Oh, sure. If yeah. you're obese. For sure. Or if like in my family, high cholesterol runs in our family. My mom and dad are extremely healthy people, very mm-hmm. active. But the minute they turned 40, they got high cholesterol. Mm-hmm. The minute I stopped getting estrogen, my cholesterol went up. Yeah. So, so interesting. Yeah. Heart disease. And then, you know, you, you have these surgeries. And it's it definitely could lower your risk of recurrence, but it's not a guarantee. Yeah. And and with everything, it's going to come with, you know, you're going to pay the price in some other area, whether that is you are choosing to do the hormone therapy and or if you're choosing the surgery. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think really for us, it's just important that everybody understands what the potential outcomes are. Mm-hmm. And we say this every single time but you have to consider what's best for you Mm -hmm. and what's going to give you peace of mind and what what you're willing you know yeah what you're willing to do what you're willing to do and deal with sure so before let's see do we want to recap maybe things to ask doctors yeah i i think it's very important to note that you're going to want to ask what are going to be the long-term repercussions? Like what, what am I going to deal with a month after surgery, a week after surgery, a year after surgery? Like what, what are potential things that I need to put in my corner to make sure that I'm set up if I am going to choose this, you know, or if I'm going to choose to stick with the hormone therapy route? I think too, it's important to say, you know, first of all, how many of these have you done in Mm -hmm. breast cancer patients? Mm -hmm. How many of your patients who have done these procedures have sailed through without any issues, mm-hmm. leading to how many have had complications and what are those complications that you most commonly see? Mm-hmm. Very important for you to have a doctor you trust in that instance. Right. Right. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. But you want you want them to really share with you and be transparent about what they see because their job is to save your life. And they're going to, you know, often when you're younger and you've been diagnosed with cancer, you know, it's not a secret that you know, you have a higher chance of recurrence because you're going to be living longer and Mm -hmm. it's more aggressive oftentimes. And Mm -hmm. so they want to throw the book at you. But it's also important that you have a high quality of life. Right. Exactly. And so you need to be aware of those things. Yeah. On our next episode, we are going to continue this discussion about hysterectomies and surgical decisions by talking to Dr. Becky Lynn. She is a breast cancer survivor and an OBGYN who specializes in providing relief to women who are experiencing menopausal symptoms. Amen. Yeah. She's like the sex doctor extraordinaire. I think she's known that way around yeah, St. Louis. For so sure. I'm looking forward to talking to her. Yeah. Okay, guys. Until Might next- say that you're excited. Oh, I, <laughs> I, what's it? What's it? How could I rephrase that? Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Oh, that, oh, that laid flat. I'm, I'm so pumped. There you go. There you go. I'm so pumped. All right. Well, until next time, guys. Bye. Bye. If you are a breast cancer survivor and you love Besties with Breasties, make sure you join our survivorship support network at faiththroughfire.org to gain access to exclusive episodes that are ad-free and uncensored.